Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-host, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we are finishing up our foray into the world of Cyber Monk 2077, a sequel series brought to you and us by our patron, Jay, who decided to have us build a sequel to a world that we've done previously. And his option was the land of a thousand flavors. And we are oh so happy to oblige considering we are now into the near future of a world where anthropomorphic animals exist and cast magic through food and cookery. But before we get into today's episode, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com, submit a prompt, and we will build your world within a reasonable amount of time. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter, over at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord community, or if you're feeling particularly generous, you can give us money over on Patreon, and the links for both of those are going to be in the description of the episode. Enough with the shilling, we're on to the show. So last we left off, we had a twist, which was we had an unreliable narrator slash main character. Uh, Who wants to start us off by reconciling this twist? Daniel, go ahead and hit us with your robot voice. (laughs) Let's hope I don't have robot voice. We had a number of people who could be considered um, narrators, right, in the setting. Um, One might be the the workers, the rim of the system, um, if it's told from their perspective, one might be that uh, even though the, the creature is no longer in the picture, the the religious narrator, because in a sense mm-hmm. they told a version mm-hmm. of his history, the insect one, um, and possibly even like the corporation that's on the planet that that had tried to make make some kind of food supply despite the, the starter of the planet being gone. I thought um, since we were setting up the the, the insect religious leader who has left as kind of a good guy in a sense. I'm he may be that one might be unreliable. Like maybe the narrative of, of the, the um, BDO, the object that returned, there's something sinister about it that we're not aware of. So I thought mm-hmm. maybe, um, you know, the unreliable aspect is that perhaps the alien starter that's returned is a trap of some kind, or um, it's a means of invasion and they're not aware of it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you went that route, Daniel, because I have something that's kind of in line with that. But before I blather on, Courtney, what is your (laughs) reconciliation with this twist? Um, So I decided to go hyper local and focus on one of the street chefs that we had kind of talked about last time Mm -hmm. um, with the idea that, you know, in contrast to the mega corporations on the planet, there are these kind of low level street chefs out on the street. like feeding people day in and day out. And um, also inspired by a recent discussion in Honor Discord about uh, chicken broth. So I'm imagining a street chef who is known for his delicious broths, um, which are fueled by ingredients that um, his loyal followers gather for him. And those followers also trade for information and gossip to bring back to him, which he then kind of shares with his customers. Maybe he sort of gives people jobs to do. Um, so it's almost like literally and figuratively a melting pot, mm-hmm. like the soups taste different every day because they're made from different ingredients and the information may or may not be reliable. Um, like if you're using this in RPG, maybe one week, um, the party gets a really great tip from him about like a, a heist that's going to happen. Um, but the next week you get a rumor that ends up being false and leads you 
down a more dangerous path, maybe. So this is like Oracle of Delphi levels of like clairvoyance where it may or may <laughs> not happen type thing. But also you like or like, oh, it's going to happen. Just not the way that you thought or just not the way that you saw that type of thing. Yeah, um, I could see something like that. So because the food itself is magical, I imagine mm -hmm. that you're taking a spoon, you're doing a little and then you look into the soup bowl and like it's clouded <laughs> or something like that, right? Where it's like- Or it's, or something... it's alphabet pasta. <laughs> Ooh, that's yeah. good too. I like that. I can, yeah. I can definitely do that as well. Yeah. It's very flavorful, Courtney. Literally. Nice. nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm totally down with that. Uh, I went a little bit more elaborate for my reconciliation with the twist and it kind of lines up with Daniel's a little bit more. Um, I, so, so in our, in our previous episode, we talked about the ship coming back and the ship was initially empty, right? Like, oh mm -hmm. man, something happened and now the ship is back and it's empty. I was thinking that that's not actually true and rather it's just a story that's been created. So the idea that I had in mind was a megacorp has already intercepted that ship and gathered all of the people that were on there. Uh, they extracted the information as well as they possibly could. They don't, no one knows how much information is actually out there. They wiped the memories of the people and then basically put them back in the population. So there's this megacorp that exists that has more information than they're letting on. And the people who came back still have their information, still have their memories, but they don't remember that they have those things. So that is the unreliable narrator aspect that I wanted to play around with. So Courtney, I think I have a way that we can also bring in your uh, street chef character as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we can just make it. So that particular street chef is one of those previously mind wiped uh, characters. Yeah. And then, oh, that's good. you know, like maybe there's some like, I I'm also thinking like maybe there's a hint within the soup itself as well. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, help me. Or like, maybe there's like, uh, you know, like, Hey, these are like, inst there's, there's like bits and pieces of information that, they're trying to disseminate into the world that comes out through this clairvoyant soup, you know? Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, I love that idea. And I could even see it as like, they, they don't know that they're like putting this information out there. It's all very like, subliminal. Yeah. Um, so it's up to like the players or the reader, whoever's interacting to kind of figure it out over time. I, I also like the idea that the quote unquote bad you know, like uh, clairvoyant stuff, the stuff that's inaccurate is mm -hmm. actually super accurate, but just pertaining to something else entirely. Uh, like yeah. that is about, you know, this person's wiped memory, that type of thing. Yeah. We were, Daniel, had you said it was, um, or had one of you said that you wanted them to be insects that had come back? Um, I well, think yeah. we had, they were yeah. the ones that broke off. They were being used as tools. Right. And yeah. then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then they really cool. basically ascended into intelligence and then, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to like leave for a bit because this seems like a really hostile vibe. And then they came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was still a hostile vibe. <laughs> I mean, you, it's hard to get rid of the hostile vibes, but yeah. But remember, yeah. less hostile, less hostile. Right. I mean, it, right. it makes yeah. sense what you guys have put together, because if the corporation that is on the planet, right, they had 
basically consolidated power because they found a way to have people survive when their starter was used up, right? They wouldn't want um, a new starter that could solve everyone's problems mm-hmm. to arrive suddenly mm-hmm. and ruin yeah. their mm-hmm. monopoly. So it would make sense that they investigated it first. They got those people off, wiped their memories, kept the information about the starter um, and have trying to keep the lids on this. But despite their memories being wiped, like these individuals who are like kind of these seers, it's leaking out of them, you know, yes. which is kind of yeah. neat. That is very so, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So my question becomes, Daniel, um, what is this megacorp trying to parse out from this information that they kind of took from these people, right? Like they took their memories. What are they trying to get out of those memories? Is, I is have it an idea uh, mm-hmm. by all means, go ahead. Um, but do you, I, I think I could answer that through my faction rather than, Oh, um, oh my, oh. Look, at this, yeah. look at this segue. Chris that was would pro. be impressed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So would it go ahead, Daniel? Hit us with your question. I was I was when I was thinking of Nefarious Corporation, obviously I wanted to bring us back to the food focus, right? Um and the corporation exists because their starter died out on this planet at some point in the future, which was like their little world seed dealio. Um so I think it would be fun if the if the corporation, which I just call the Yum Yum Corporation, um it has a like a 50s burger <laughs> branding to it, you know, like mm-hmm. kind of a dinery aspect or mm-hmm. something silly and iconic and fallout, you know, 50s kind of thing. Um, and so I thought maybe, you know, now that we have all this information about them, perhaps what they're doing is they want to maintain their monopoly, right, on control of the not only the planet, but the system, because they're trying to go to the other, the other worlds and, and acquire other starters. Maybe whatever information they've gotten from the, the, the one that returned will help them create um, an artificial starter that um, mm. is, a, is a threat to other natural ones. Mm. Um, and what they've mm-hmm. been serving so far is probably artificial in some way, but perhaps whatever information is contained in these people they've captured about the starter on the, on the ship um, is vital for them continuing their, you know, their, their product, their fake product and keeping them under control. Like their, their soil and esque version of, of the food. Um, although right. it raises the question, like what, what's with the, did they find a starter in the other planet in the, in the, the ship that came back or was there none or was it just the information and the people? Those are all questions. I, I think the revelation that we kind of came upon last time was those people who traveled out there found one of the chonky beef cats yes. and then was blessed with mm-hmm. a world seed. I think that's oh. what we had come up with. Maybe the world seed is a recipe in their minds. It's not a physical seed. Oh, oh yeah. that's really cool. I like, I like that. that idea a lot. Yeah. So now uh, there's a residue of the recipe in each of those people, right? Hence the soup and the yes. searing. But mm-hmm. they've downloaded the full recipe and the corporation has it. Yeah, that I love yes. that idea a lot. And they're trying to piece together what the recipe yeah. actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then that's the reason that it hasn't, you know, like they haven't completely taken over yet is because mm-hmm. they haven't really nailed down the recipe. Yes. Okay. That's great. That is a really, really fun way that we can do this. And it's already mm-hmm. giving me all sorts of ideas for like the quest line that we're going to be coming up with later. So yeah, that's dope. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courtney, what is your faction that you've brought to us today? Uh, so mine was also Megacorp related, not surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we were when we were listening to uh, kind of retro and cyberpunkish music last time, um, chatting after the show, um, I had 
got to thinking about like boy bands and what if there's a megacorp sponsored food themed pop group like a blend of celebrity chef and young pop idol <laughs> kind of thing which uh-huh. yeah, i know um so i'm i'm picturing it as in, having um elements of like mom corp from futurama with this like kind of squeaky clean exterior that hides what's actually going on and then uh-huh. the um the boy band episode from the simpsons where the lyrics to the songs are riddled with all these subliminal messaging things yep. like um so i i could see this as like a way for the megacorp to kind of get more kind of control over the populace if the populace is constantly being barraged by like subtle clues about oh you should really buy our branded snacks or um you know don't eat at this other place eat at our restaurants yeah absolutely absolutely um i i i can't help but think courtney that when you say Mm. like celebrity chefs right like Mm. is there a guy fieri equivalent for for this (laughs) oh i i just immediately pictured like a a rat with like a bleach blonde like mohawk kind of thing going on oh my god yes (laughs) yeah and sunglasses obviously i was gonna say and obviously sunglasses yeah oh that could that could definitely work oh Mm. man would he be a rat or a hamster? Because for some reason, I'm picturing Aww. hamster. Oh, you know? yeah, it's definitely a hamster. <laughs> hamster. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Aww. Okay. So that's uh, also, uh, I, I always want to point out a good Simpsons reference. And mm-hmm. boy, do mm-hmm. I love that episode of The Simpsons. Eva Netanyahu, by the way. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, that's great. I can I can totally dig that. Like, I'm, I'm loving that. One thing I do... I think a question that hasn't been answered yet, right, is mm-hmm. we previously established that the the food, when you eat real food with real ingredients, it gives you magical powers. Are mm-hmm. these mega corporations uh, giving people powers, or or is this just purely sustenance reasons that we're that we're messing with here? I think they shouldn't, because I feel like the magic then would be very. Um kind of subversive and and Jedi-like if the Mm. artificial food doesn't give you magic. You have to have real food. Mm -hmm. Although I could see them using that to their advantage, like if they have some sort of special edition release um, food that comes out that that does give some very minor powers that they can then like charge out the ass for. Yeah, or Um, like, yeah, something useless kind of powers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or even like, I can also see it as... um, you know, like they've corporatized like what are essentially magic potions and they're not mm-hmm. as potent and they're not as like flavorful, but they're still like, it, it's kind of like that weird meat cube thing, you know, <laughs> that, that we've, that we've talked about before mm-hmm. in the discord where it's like, here's a cube of meat. Here's a cube of Brussels sprouts, you know, where it's like, that's the corporate version of a magical potion, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm going to get, like, I'm going to get super strength, but it's not going to be as strong and it's not going to last as long or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. uh and also i like the idea that it is pressed into little cubes and stuff like that because again we want to make it you know yeah we want to lampoon the corporatocracy as much as possible mm-hmm. yeah okay so i'm glad that we kind of figured that part out mm-hmm. um i think the only one who has a a, a guilt or a faction left is me and i for one decided not to do a corporate thing um for once I wanted to focus more on the idea that we're launching this setting a thousand years into the future. 
what does that look like for food, right? So obviously we can't tell what the future food is going to look like, but the closest I can get to is this kind of mixture between someone like Greg Katz, who is the chef and owner of Alinea, who is responsible for like the edible balloon, which is like, it's, it's a candy or chocolate and then it's filled with helium and you literally like it, it floats and you can literally sit and eat it. And it's, and it's supposed to be like really whimsical. It's like basically a bunch of stuff like that. It's very high end. And then there's Dan Barber who is very much like farm to table, but with his food, it, it, uh, comes down to, he will take the seeds and he will breed something for flavor rather than mass consumption. Um, so I, I went to one of his restaurants and have eaten what he would get, what he called a habanado, which is hab, which is a habanero pepper with all of the heat bred out of it. So what mm-hmm. you get instead is this incredibly flavorful pepper, but without any of like the incredible heat and like capsaicin that you would normally get. So it doesn't take taste like poison. And it's these two people that I really want to kind of blend in. Like this is what modern cuisine looks like. And if we take that and extrapolate it even further, I also want to take a look into like what molecular gastronomy could be. So it's not just a matter of these, this group of chefs who are going around and cultivating raw ingredients, which is, you know, kind of abnormal considering the corporatocracy that holds a lot of the monopolies and stuff, but also they're breeding it in a specific way. So they're, they're basically magic ingredient purists in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're also like, there, there's something else going on where maybe they can blend a little bit of of the technology or they're, they know a little bit more about the scientific aspect of how the processes work when it comes to magical formula and how they're cooking things and stuff like that. So um, I don't know. I I thought it'd be kind of fun to have like a rogue group of what are essentially environmentalist chefs, considering (laughs) that like how magic works and is distributed now, like they're very much old guard, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that idea a lot and um, was thinking, I know you didn't want them to be currently connected to the mega corporations, but maybe some of them had come from mega corporations, like they're kind of jaded ex-scientists who had been working on all of these like crazy new foods and then realized like, what am I doing with my life? I need to kind of return to my roots and go back to this more natural way of doing things. Oh, absolutely. I think mm-hmm. that's like such a great, you know, um, I think that's a great origin story for a lot of them. You know, everyone comes to, uh, I, I love uh, chef uh, documentaries like, oh, uh, what's it called? Uh, there's that Netflix one. Uh, chef's Table. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love Chef's Table and I love hearing the stories of how all these people come together and like mm-hmm. come to food and cooking in general. So I wanted to kind of reflect something like that. And yeah, like the the corporate burnout is absolutely real. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you can go from, yeah, this is kind of my style. This is kind of my thing. And then I'm like, oh, how did I end up making, you know, like this, you know, like same schlop for executives, you know, like how did this yeah. end up happening to me? That type of thing. And, and then you break away and you're like, all right, back to normal. Like, let's go back to like harvesting seeds with our bare hands type shit, you know? Yeah. This also makes me think of, um. Margaret Atwood's Oryx and Crake, which goes a lot into kind of genetically modified like food and organisms and Mm -hmm. just how like gross that can be when taken over by corporations. And yeah, there was 
basically like plant type things that grew like chicken parts out of it and stuff like that. It's it's kind of gross, but kinda I could horrifying. see that being on the the horrible corporate side. Yeah. Okay, so they're definitely enemies of the corporation. How do you see them relating to the other factions out there? I, I kind of see them as like a weird nomadic sage type character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, where they're very obviously anti-corporate, but they're not necessarily the type of folks who are going to help out, you know, like street chefs necessarily. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, some of them might be street chefs or might, or some sh- street chefs might have affiliation or association with this group, but I don't necessarily see them. A- I see them as kind of, um, I see them, I see them more as like reclusive or like hermity in a lot of ways where, you know, maybe before you would search out the best ingredients, but the, you know, the kind of corporate, the megacorps have kind of hoarded a lot of that to themselves. And so Mm -hmm. now you have to go and find these people who are like even, even more well hidden than some of the ingredients were at one point. It's like, okay, I found these guys, they're cooking with real food. They're cooking with real ingredients. Like, let's go you know, like, this is what, this is what I came to learn magic for or, or cooking for, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned like nomadic. So would they have like a mobile farm of some sort? I I was thinking that as well. Yeah. yeah. Like they would have w- essentially just like a walking greenhouse, you know, like That's think awesome. of yeah. the Baba Yaga hut, mm-hmm. but a greenhouse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the factions out of the way. I feel like things are really starting to come together now. Um, the main quest that we've kind of attributed here, do we have something in mind for that? And you've got a, the one that's the easiest is you have the PCs are the people whose memories have been erased and they've got to figure out what's happened to them, who they are, um, you know, maybe even the corporation did some things to their bodies to make them not obviously insect people. Mm-hmm. So they have to understand their identities and then uncover a corporate conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to, I would love to again, steal from Neuromancer where it's like, maybe that's only part of the group that we're talking about here. Maybe you have to convince someone that their mind has been wiped, or maybe it's like this kind of, outside street chef who uncovers this information and gets wrapped into this over overarching plot, you know, to kind of get this information out there. Yeah. Like and, one of the PCs could be the insect and the others could yes. be like you're saying street chefs, street chefs and such. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Corporate and then defector. You could, corporate defector. Actually, that's a great idea. Maybe that's the initial, or maybe that's the inciting incident. Is yeah. You have to play mm-hmm. a bunch of characters who are corporate defectors. And unfortunately for them, that's incredibly deadly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like if you wanted to run it like old school, like what is it? Um, the OSR style where you have the meat grinder session. Maybe the <laughs> maybe the one character who gets out is the like living character who then joins the group of PC. Yeah. Oh, the next yeah. one. That would be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So, so that might be really fun where it's like, okay, escort from this, uh, a scorp. Okay. Escape from this giant corporate building. And it's like, oh God, the buzz saws come out of the walls. The flamethrowers start happening. <laughs> that sounds like red lightning, but in a corporation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like, but also like way more corporate and like, you, uh-huh. like you see like the flashing lights come up from the ground where it's like the safety lights, like 
hazards and stuff like that. Or it's like, Mm -hmm. be careful, you know, but then it's like, obviously super deadly. Like, I I think that'd be pretty fun to add that to it, you know? And not only that, but that's basically a dungeon crawl. But, you know, instead of axes and swords, it's like, okay, I've got a chef's knife and I've got a briefcase. What do you guys have? You know, like (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah. That would be really fun to run as a first session. Um, Because, yeah, it's especially like making it so that the, the people playing, maybe they don't know that, there's a high risk of death. And so as they kind of start getting wiped out, it, it becomes more and more clear just how sort of serious this setting is. Uh, that, that actually is kind of fun where it's like, oh, you decided to quit? Oh, that's fine. And then maybe, actually what, what might be really fun, right? Is, uh, you know, like you're all part of a group that's like, who's decided to quit over for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, sure, you can leave. And, you know, that's not a problem with us, the giant megacorp. And then it's like, then people start dying immediately. And people are like, oh, they were going to fuck us from the beginning. Oh, no, this is bad. Right. Like you have a group of guards that's going to escort you out of the out of the building. And you notice that they suddenly have all their guns pointed at you. <laughs> I, something like that. Yeah, I think that'd be kind of fun. And then from then, then you jump to maybe the opposite where it's like gritty street chef types, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, Yeah. Oh, um, it would also be a, a cool contrast from starting in this like really sleek corporate world and encountering all this really high tech stuff. And then you're out on the streets dealing with like dirt and grime and pollution and whatever random synthetic food that you can find. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, so do we want to even explore what the end of this looks like, or is it a matter of this is what changes and what doesn't, right? Because I think a big theme in cyberpunk uh, is the punk aspect of it, which I think a lot of people tend to Mm -hmm. uh, ignore, you know, like the political aspects to cyberpunk, the anti-establishment aspects to cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing that I would kind of like to buck against in terms of trends with cyberpunk genre is like the bleak hopelessness of it all. Like I would Mm -hmm. like there to be like some chance at genuine change for a, in a larger systemic sense from yeah. the outcomes of this quest, you know? Well, what you're talking about seems to be post-cyberpunk, right? So they've already accepted that the conditions are, they live in this post-apocalypse and they're trying to figure out what they can do from there. So mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think um, if you don't have a solution in the end, right? Like if there's not like an end game, then they have to kind of make do with what exists and live in, in this new this new reality. So I think that's kind of what we're doing. Like we're, we're creating this post cyberpunk world because we're already past the point that there are these corporations. Although we started by saying we wanted it to be pre, which was interesting. <laughs> we're, we're past the point where there are these corporations, there is this plot of foot and people are now on the ground in the streets trying to figure this out. So I think we can do exactly that. Yeah. I think that, uh, the, I think what we can also do in Daniel, I think this is really key is that like, the idea that this world seed is basically the hinge point, right? Like right. if the corporate, if the corporations get it, that's the end of it. They've locked down how to reproduce the world seed from then on out. Mm-hmm. So they're going to control everything and then things are going to become even worse than they are now. But if they can, if the street chefs can democratize the world seed or even use it to their own advantage, then things can shift. And then, of course, you can have the gritty rebate, the gritty, uh, the gritty side to it, where it's like, 
well, they decided to become their own corporation, you know, but <laughs> I mean, I, I, ideally, right. Like you can, you can have genuine change. And I think that the world seed being the key and the pivot point to that is really important. I think that's a really smart idea, Daniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's cool. And it's, it's cool that we turn it into like data, you know, like the, the, it's yes. the recipe. I really, I was going to say the recipe, <laughs> aspect, yeah, the recipe part of it is like so clutch. So that's a really cool mm-hmm. idea too. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that we're ready to move on to the side quest where things get real fucking wacky. So let me grab some dice and let's see what happens when we inject a little bit of chaos. All right, so for the side quest here, we're gonna roll some dice, including the new genre that we're gonna be focusing on here. So instead of a weird cyberpunk fantasy, well, it's more Shadowrun, but besides that, let's see what we get now. So we're gonna roll the die and the new genre is going to be, well, this is actually pretty appropriate uh, for Mm -hmm. cyberpunk because it borrows a lot from this element, but we rolled Noir Detective. Uh, and oh, I think fun. that, yeah, I think that's a really fun one because we can go from medieval, then we jump to cyberpunk and now we can kind of meet in the middle. Now we can see what a noir detective kind of style uh, uh, looks like in this setting. So the theme for our noir detective is going to be pain. Ooh, I don't think we've <laughs> wow. rolled that one yet. That's an interesting one. That's, that's intense. Uh, and the thing... Yeah, a little bit. And now we're going to, and now the thing that we're going to be focusing on is a weapon. Appropriate. So we've got a noir noir detective genre. We've got a theme of pain. And the first thing that we're focusing on is a weapon. So who wants to start us off here? The, the idea of um, noir detective as a theme works well with, with a, po- a cyberpunk or a post-cyberpunk setting. Um, wasn't so much an idea. I was just saying that those will work together perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said before, cyberpunk has like deep roots in noir in yes. general. You know, like exactly. there's they, they've definitely touched tips before, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> So where do we want to go with this? We've got pain. I mean, pain is the one that's sticking out to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I'm thinking like uh, like a food that you eat that just never stops. It's it's like chronic pain syndrome, but forever and way worse, like cranked all the way up. You know, so it's like maybe it's kind of like the again, t- this is two Simpsons references now. Maybe it's like when Homer eats the chili pepper and he goes on that horrible psychedelic trip. Yeah. But for him, it's a matter or or for the people who are like, this is a weapon that they've weaponized a pepper or something like that. And so uh, whoever eats it is basically doubled over in pain until it's like you want to be mercy killed after eating Mm -hmm. this thing. And the pain just doesn't stop. Right. It could also be a play on that. Like if you swallow a watermelon seed, the watermelon's gonna grow inside of you thing from oh, childhood. That's fun. Yeah. Like But literally. But but literally, yeah. It's like literally gonna take over the insides of your body or something or burst like out that. of your chest or yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down with this concept for sure. Okay, cool. It could be a um, pepper seed that, uh, that mm-hmm. grows and it burns you up inside. Ooh, yes. Yeah. The two yeah. ideas. Yeah. Uh um, yeah, why not, right? Like fuck it. That's mm-hmm. like a really great mm-hmm. idea. Okay, so a, that's go ahead. Oh, 
I prefer what you guys were talking about, but I had another concept um, of why not do the opposite. Like um, it's it's the a lack of food. Someone is starving or there's some starvation mm. happening. Oh, hunger pain. pain. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we can now uh, reference the beautiful Troll 2 where the dad <laughs> tightens his belt because he d- he knows hunger pain. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would I would like to somehow throw in the dad from Goblin 2 now. Um, how can we do this? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Troll 2. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, Troll 2. Oh, my come God. On, come on. Come on. Wow. It, well, to be fair, it's all about Nilbogs in that it movie. It is. It is. So, about, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, with hunger pains too, it's it could be something like, what if there's an affliction going around where people are just constantly hungry no matter how much they eat? That's not bad. I like that mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, the the detective, the main character that we're talking about, I don't know why I'm having this idea where he deliberately keeps himself hungry. So mm. when he does, when he goes on the case, whatever he eats or whatever he smells, his height, his senses are heightened or yeah. something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. Mm. It's like the so, opposite of uh, Sherlock Holmes being on drugs all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, laudanum helped a lot of people, you know, uncover a lot of crime back then, Daniel. Okay, opium too. <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so so what's the story that we're talking about here? Uh, the weapon itself is the seed that grows inside you and like turns your your veins into fire peppers. So mm-hmm. what's the overall story? Is this a Maltese Falcon thing where he's got to find this thing and keep people safe? Like, what's the deal that we're working with here? I mean, I, I feel like noir stories often begin with the like sort of damsel in distress figure coming to the detective's office saying that, she has an issue and she needs help solving it. Um, so what if it's, what if it's even used as sort of like a, an assassination type weapon? Um, mm-hmm. I guess similar to how uh, Russian operatives will use like sort of innocuous things to um, poison or irradiate their, their opponents essentially. Um, yeah. Something on um, those lines. Umbrellas. Or, right. Yeah. Know, that, that was a, that was a really famous one. Mm-hmm. So how do you infect someone with diverticulitis? Because that is essentially what we're talking about here, where like a seed gets into your body and then grows from there. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to make them eat it, right? Right. So right. maybe you're making really irresistible meals that use it. Use the seed. Interesting. Because Interesting. you're probably dividing people to dinner, dinner that they can't refuse. And then they, if you're going to poison a diplomat, you, you go to a dinner and make a dish with it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. would I would also like to inject into this story the femme fatale as well, which is definitely different than the damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh where she comes in playing the damsel in distress, mm-hmm. but really she's the one who's been behind it. So mm-hmm. maybe what we can talk about here is this this femme fatale needs a fall guy. And this person, this kind of noir detective is the one who is uh gonna take that fall. Mm-hmm. Also I'm thinking of a truffle hunting pig right now, and I want that to be the detective so bad. <laughs> oh, can he? Can he? Oh, that's right, because they're animals. So I was going to say, yeah. like, can he have a truffle pet, pig pet? But he probably is the pig. He so. is a truffle pig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Excellent. And he he deliberately oh, keeps himself hungry, so it's actually like a skinny yeah. pig too. Uh huh. So that's good. Mm-hmm. 
And this, the thing that they turn, the pepper plant, they get transformed into, it's just a plant, right? It's not some sentient thing. No, I don't think we yeah. ever came up with sentient plant life because I feel right. like that'd be too much. Because then it's like, even veganism is not the way to go in that way right. at that point. <laughs> it's right? a plant, so, really. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we can kind of do that. Can we also have, I, I really just want to steal from double indemnity where it's like the femme fatale is like, my husband is going to try and kill the president. And then <laughs> she's actually just trying to get her husband killed. And so mm-hmm. like, he's the one who's yeah. actually in danger, that type of thing. Yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, also, can she secretly be an insect? <laughs> Why does she have to secretly be an insect? So in, in the final review, she like pulls off her skin or something and she's a bug underneath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's just gross. Why are we Love making it. this gross? Let's do that. Because <laughs> then uh. she like, she, you know, it does a pan up, but there's one of those sex gaze pans on her leg and there's like the slit in her dress, but it's like an insect leg and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And to be fair, if she's a praying mantis, it would make sense that she's trying uh, to kill yeah. her husband. Mm-hmm. That would, so. that would. Yes, she wants to eat him because she's <laughs> supposed to do. She wants to eat him. She just, wait, does she just want to make him spicy because she likes spicy yes. food? Oh yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm actually kind of okay with this <laughs> you know, like I'm not even and it can lie. be told in like an over-the-top dramatic style like noir dramatic style yeah. but everything's yeah, ridiculous of course everything's mm-hmm. black and white and like heavily shaded yeah and yeah. then um there okay i swear this wasn't a fever dream as i had as a kid but there used to be a show called fish where it was like people like anthropomorphic fish who were a detective I swear to you, this is real. And it was like kind of adult. And I don't remember literally anything about it besides that. Do you know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. No. It used to be like a noir detective fish. I That's all I remember. And it's like, I remember one episode airing ever. And I swear, I promise it's not a fever dream, but I know that this exists somewhere. And if anyone knows about it, let us know, please. Okay. Um, do you guys just want to throw in a twist and see how that works? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, we normally don't do the uh, the plot twist for the, uh, the 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 side quests here, but I think we're so off the rails that we might as well at this point. Yeah, fish police. There we go. <laughs> it's a real thing, and it makes no sense. So it only aired for three episodes, which, which explains why we had no idea what you're talking about. Okay, yes, that totally makes sense for me because Amazing. I'm like, I don't remember. I remember like an episode. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. I remember this like this is like the early '90s where it's supposed to be like the weird like animation boom that the simpsons did you know mm-hmm. like that's what kind of spurred it on tim curry wasn't it what yeah <laughs> i don't remember that part but yeah <laughs> okay all right this one we can work with all right so normally we don't roll for a twist on the side quest but i just kind of feel like it so let's see what happens when we roll the twist it says here that everything is in quotes backwards so hmm 
what do we mean by backwards? Uh, are written out. The first thing I'm thinking is that we can just immediately flip all the gender roles around and mm-hmm. that'd be the easy thing to do. But do we want to think of other backwards ways of thinking? Cylons. Cylons. <laughs> what? What does that even mean? Where? Well, well, in, in, in Bowser, a lot of things are in this loop where, um, you know, the past is the is the future and the future is the past. And it makes me think that perhaps um, the world seed that's aboard this vessel and the recipe um, are not in fact, it's not in fact a recipe for something natural, but it's actually an artificially constructed thing, either from the future or, um, you know, like uh, that, that, that's, that's, that, that was already created like in the past or some kind of cycle. So, uh, how does this tie into our neo detective or our noir detective movie? Oh, it has or, to be part of the detective. Yeah, that's what we were rolling the twist. Oh, on. okay, never mind. Yeah, though I I do like that for the main thing. Yeah, like if it's some weird time loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Hold on, hold on mm-hmm. here. So I know that you just said that about the thing, but why can't we mm-hmm. just have that be? part of the cycle like it just so happens that this this silly detective story that we're talking about is the world seed that we're talking about here it's like this is what happens when you feed someone this particular world seed is it causes them immense pain and kills them in some way or something like that can we tie it all together (laughs) (laughs) doesn't it turn into a plant yeah no it just grows from Oh, oh, is that like a weird sacrifice thing that we have? I was thinking that about? too. Yeah, like like they they knowingly or unknowingly sacri- sacrifice themselves to give a like new life. Um, oh, that's that's kind of interesting actually. That's being really who, interesting. Uh, who does? Hmm? Who who's they? Okay, okay, hold on. The wife knows that by feeding the husband the seed it will cause the new world seed to bloom, but mm. the husband doesn't. And okay. Yeah. That's, that's gotta be it. Right. Like, well, could the husband be the CEO then? And the, the wife is actually an acolyte from the ship or maybe the original one. Again, I'm still in the, de- I'm still, so here's what's happening. I'm, I'm suggesting that this detective thriller that we're coming up with here takes place somewhere in between the cyberpunk future and the medieval setting that we originally had and the cyclical nature that you're talking about, Daniel, this is one of the stories. This is one of the cyclical stories that we're talking about. I see. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then that makes sense. Yeah. All right. This is that went off the rails super hard and I'm totally Mm -hmm. okay with that. And I think that we're just going to call this episode Jay, thank you so much for reintroducing us to the world of the Land of a Thousand Flavors. It was so great to be able to come back and like explore what a future cyberpunk looks like with uh, and the rump, uh, with like red wall animals and stuff like that. So uh, a big thanks to Jay and a big thanks to all of you for listening. 
Uh, remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. If you feel like communicating with us the old fashioned way and emailing us, you can do that by going to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. And just, you know, telling us your hopes and dreams, telling us about how much you love us or how much you hate us. Either one's fine. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, of course, we are over on Twitter, over at Let's World Build. And if you want to come join our community on Discord, or if you're feeling particularly generous and you want to give us money on Patreon, the link for both of those are going to be in the description of the episode. That is it for this week of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much. And we're going to get through this together until next week. Thank you.